Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. With your host, Todd Martin. Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. We have uh, William Tackett this morning. Um, William is from Austin, Texas, and um, and has uh, kind of taken a pretty good foothold into the nogi portion of grappling. Um, and you just, what was it, like a week ago that you won the West Coast ADCC trials? Beginning of this month, so a few weeks back, um, on the okay. 2nd and 3rd of April, so yes, sir. Cool. How old are you, William? Um, first, before I get started, I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. And, you know, it just means a lot to be able to, you know, talk and just have a good conversation. And I like it. Thank you. But yeah. um, I'm 20 years old. I turn 21 here next month. So I'm still 20. I've uh, been training Jiu Jitsu since 2009. So since I was eight years old. So pretty much my whole life now. And um, yeah, I loved every second of it. Cool. So, um, so I've kind of heard a little bit of the story on how you got started and uh, that you kind of uh, where your dad has been active in doing doing that with with you guys is he still doing jujitsu with you guys uh yes yeah on and off he's not super consistent because you know he's a very hardworking guy and doesn't yeah. have a whole lot of time but he still makes it in here and there to train and um loves training he just can't make it in as often as he would like but he definitely still makes it in and uh subs some unsuspecting uh, students as well because they don't see him on the mat a lot so when he comes in you know he has just as much of experience as us just not as often so he's been training just as long and um, he's still I think he just got a, he just got his brown belt so he's not you know Ooh, considered really? a black belt or anything but he's very very tough yeah cool I, I I'm I'm a uh, two years in on my purple belt so nice. dragging dragging around it for a while too I I, I really like I really enjoy doing the jiu-jitsu it's really there's something different about the sport um, coming from like a horse background and doing that kind of stuff. But there's just something that um, there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, we can play, you know, sports and do something kind of good. But um, when it goes on the mats and you're actually like have to do, you know, like put your money where your mouth is, <laughs> it always kind of changes things a bit. And um, and so there's always just that competitive edge that I, I really enjoy. Um, so your dad, um, still come, still comes in and does a couple of days a week is, or is he kind of as much as he can. So sometimes he's making it in like on an ideal week for him, he's coming in three to four times a week, but that's few and far in between. A lot of times he'll make it in like just once a week or maybe not even make it in it just depends on his schedule. He, um, he works on cars at a, a body shop. So he's, you know, working pretty much from we early hours in the morning till pretty late and sometimes he's just a little tired and can't make it in the train or wants to spend time with my mom so uh, you know he, he has other priorities too jiu is part of you know one of his priorities but he's got he's got a lot going on so he can't make it in all the time but he likes to at least come in as much as he can has your um has your mom and dad got to travel with you to some of the the bigger competitions lately mm -hmm. they actually just came to the adcc trials the one i just competed at so they were able to both go down to vegas and um watch me compete and help support me. So that was really cool. Yeah. I bet you that was really cool. Huh? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So one of the, I guess kind of one of the things that intrigues me is that, um, uh, you know, like, so you've had, you've had plenty of success and, and your record is, is really good on your win loss record and stuff. And, um, 
but this this is this the ADCC trials has been one of those deals that you've been trying to accomplish for a couple of years and the pandemic kind of set things weird and whatever else on some of that but um, but you've been pursuing that for a while and, and had tried at the trials a couple of times to to make it huh mm-hmm. yes sir this was the fourth trials that I've competed in and the trials only happens um, basically every year they, they have a trials but they had a big break because of the COVID situation um, the first trials I competed in was in 2018 of November, and then they'll have one. They had one in 2019 of like February-ish. Normally, it's early in 2019. So I competed in both of those. The first one I competed in, I won a few matches and was able to make it to the semifinals where I lost to PJ Barch by points. And since I lost to him, I actually injured his knee in the middle of the match, so he wasn't able to continue. So I was supposed to fill in and move on to the, the next match, but I wasn't able to continue because... Uh, there was like a mix up with one of the referees. He saw me lose. So he was like, wait, no, you can't compete. And by that, by the time that like it had gotten fixed, the bracket had already moved on. So I didn't end up competing, which was kind of a bummer, but it was fine. Cause it was my first trials. I was, um, I believe I was, I had just turned 16. So I was fairly young. And so I just was really, I impressed myself just getting there. And then a few months later, you know, I had tasted that kind of little bit of victory. So I knew I had to uh, do what I had to do to get maybe a few more wins under my belt. So the next trials, I competed. I had just been promoted to purple belt and I took second. I beat a uh, formal three-time trials winner, Enrico Coco. I beat uh, the number two seed, Jason Rao. I had beat like a bunch of guys in that division that really impressed me as well, but I still lost in the finals to John Combs by guillotine. And um, that was like a big turning point for me because I felt like I had, that has been my first step into like the really competitive side of the sport where I had competed against like top five, 10 ranked athletes especially as a purple belt. And I was, you know, fairly young at that point. So it was um, pretty neat for me. And I really started putting in a lot of effort into trying to win the next trials. But then when it came around, COVID hit and they had to cancel the trials and move it, postponed it another year. So I had to wait another year to do that. And then that was the last trials in East Coast last year. And um, in November, and I was able to make it to the finals again, where I lost Cade Rotolo by a decision in overtime. So that was for me, that was a really big moment because I had uh, proved to myself that, okay, I can't make it back to the second place. And the work did really pay off. And I have matured a lot, had beat a lot of really, really tough dudes. And then on top of it, I got closer to winning it than I did previously. Last time I got dominated in the finals where I had been like, got my guard passed multiple times and then submitted. This time it was extremely even. We ended up with a 2-2 score in regulation and then a 0-0 score in overtime where I lost by decision. So it was really close, and I knew that I just had to work a little bit harder to then get that uh, victory. So then competing at this this last West Coast Trials, I knew that I put in a little extra work, and hopefully that it, it was going to pay off, and it actually ended up doing that. And I was able to win the finals by um, a takedown to side control. So when you um, – in. In the other event where you um, where you got your guard passed a couple of times and then you got submitted. So after that, after that one, like what was your mindset leaving the mat and coming back home as to like, how did that, how did you, how did you, uh, how did you work that out in your head? Like, is that something that like, because of the, uh, the competition or being competitive and stuff, did you come back and did that fire you up or did it, did it kind of come back and you have to kind of like work your way through that as far as like, did you feel like your, when your guard, pat when you got your guard passed a couple of times, do you feel like, like the, the mistakes were made because of like uh, a mental position that you were in? Or do you think it was because of a lack of knowledge? 
I think it was a big combination of things. I think a lot of things go into competing professionally in jiu-jitsu. Um, unlike a lot of other sports, some sports are mostly mental, like something like something like chess, right? If you compete competitively in chess, that's mostly mental. And then, you know, some other sports that's more physical, like maybe weightlifting is a lot more uh, physical than mental, but there's still that mental side of things. But then when it comes to actually um, competing against someone where you are both trying to compete and actually fight each other, basically, it, I think it's a big combination of both. Um, that day, uh, as a competitor, you know, you might know because you compete, you have competed a lot in the past, in a horse trainer. Um, I think that everyone can kind of feel that day when you feel you're on, right? You win a few matches or maybe you, you're performing and you're like, wow, I just feel so crisp today. Everything's lining up and I'm feeling great. That's how I felt that day. I felt really amazing. I had beat, uh, I had eight matches that day and I had won uh, seven matches against guys that I didn't really expect to beat. And I just felt really crisp and really on point. And then whenever I went to fight uh, in, uh, not Enrico, uh, John Combs in the finals, I just really carried that same energy, that same, okay, I'm, I'm feeling great, but I got dominated and I got completely outclassed. So it was kind of the point where I was like, okay, wow, I felt amazing and I felt really, really good and at my best, and I still wasn't good enough. So that just means I got to go back and just put an extra work and get better. You know, I, I performed good and that side of things was great. You know, I felt good mentally out there. I just wasn't good enough. So now it's time just to go back get better at what I'm doing, put in more time. And then, you know, when the next trials comes around, hopefully I'll be ready. And um, that's just the approach that I took to it. So, um, so when you started out in, in, in um, like some of your smaller tournaments said uh, when you were younger, like say, you know, uh, b before like 16. So we, when you're like competing in like 12, 13, 14, um, the thing that I'm curious about is like how, when you come off the mats, like you had, you know, you're struggling because they're, in, in our area, we've got some really good youth. I mean, like from our area, we've got the two tactic boys, right? And we've got um, Roberto Jimenez was out in this area in Houston at the same time as you were growing up. Um, we had Colabate was was down here in this area at that time, which they're not same age, but, you know, in, this, in the same youth group. There's, a, there's some pretty dominant kids from this, yeah. from this area at that time, right? When you come off the mats at some of the, you know, like a, a, a smaller association or any of them as you were coming up, um, how did your coach that you have, uh, that you had at that time, how did he address that? Like, it, it, did he address like always the bad things that you were doing or did he come back and build you up or like, what was that input from the coach at that point? So um, I don't have the same coach that I have now that I had originally when I was younger competing. Um, now, what's funny is one of my kids class coaches that was actually my main coach back then now is kind of one of my training partners slash students now because he took like a long time off of jujitsu, pursued his Muay Thai career, started doing Muay Thai in Thailand, went to school out there. And then when yeah. he came back years later, he just was like, you know, in the process of making money and doing stuff. And he hadn't done jujitsu for like a long time. But since there was a large age gap, because he's like almost 30 now and I'm 20. So he's about 10 years older than me. So me then 13, he's 23. Right. And he's uh, also a full time coach in the kids class. So he's, you know, purple belt um, coaching me all the time. So now he's almost one of my students because now he just got promoted to brown belt and I'm a black belt now. So I can really help coach him now. So it's really unique. But he was yeah. basically my main coach back in the day when I was a kid. Um, he wasn't the head owner of the gym. The head owner of the gym was uh, Robbie Rabati. He was my uh, technically the head coach, but he didn't like coach me personally as much as 
um, Davis did, the guy I'm talking about. So uh, okay. when I would travel to compete, whether it be like the Kids Pan Ams or um, there was a tournament back in the day called BFA, Battle for the Ages. And that was like a, a really popular kids tournament where I actually had a lot of matches with like Roberto Jimenez and a lot of younger uh, phenoms like that. And Davis was always coming along and coaching me in those. So he was still a purple belt. So he wasn't super skilled and he wasn't like a full-time competitor, but he was really adamant about me constantly getting reps and constantly showing back up and just working, constantly improving. Um, we didn't have like a really high level of professor black belt that was a competitor ahead of us we were like a very independent association i think a lot of gyms were like that back in this time in texas there was very few like large associations like kibero jiu-jitsu or um maybe stuff like even gracie baja has really gotten big as far as Crazy. in texas um yeah. gracie humida there's like big associations now uh brazilian top team now even checkmat we didn't have that back then so it was just us as a solo gym and we were underneath like another solo gym so it wasn't like we had a big association or anything where i could like pull a lot of knowledge from like a head instructor so it was me figuring out a lot of things and even my coaches figuring out things along the way too because they were fairly new to the new to it as well like our head coach never really competed much. And then my coach that was coaching was only parallel. So he wasn't like, you know, really full-time or uh, super experienced in anything in and of itself. So we were kind of learning as we went. So when we would go and I would win, we're like, okay, we're doing some things right. We'll just continue to do this. When I would go and I would lose, okay, we need to make some adjustments, go back, maybe improve on this that we lost on, or maybe try to add in this. More like a process of elimination and addition until we kind of find a good recipe. And uh, that recipe wasn't really super efficient until I actually joined with the team that I am now, uh, Fight Factory here in Austin, Texas, under Rodrigo Cabral. He really helped me develop uh, a recipe for like uh, strength and conditioning, um, even the mental stuff, like actual techniques and stuff that really helped me get to where I am now and basically in the rhythm I am now. Yeah, that's, I, I, I was curious about that because I, I, where I started out, I started out, um, I, I did went to a little small place um, and it was kind of not necessarily competitive based and stuff. And then I found Rodrigo Paneros and which is Hibero, um, the kind of derivative too, and, and Humada, but he, um, so his is really driven towards a, a, a competitive base too. And, uh, and so it was almost, it becomes much more organized. Like it, it's, it's, uh, it's game planned out to, to like, teach and build guys up to become that competitive because they were brought up to that same kind of competitive nature. Um, the, so I, I'm, I, I just, I, I wondered about that because when I've seen some in the past that are not, or don't understand the competitive nature of some of it, that they can be kind of little and parents, right. Probably more than anything, get a little too pushy with their kids or, you know, kind of want and get to where they want them to win faster or, or do more. And, um, and one of the things that I've noticed coming off of like the arena with the horses or any kind of competitor on a young kids is when they come out, like if I can work on things that not necessarily like what you did wrong, but like where you did right, build those things up and then have a, not a game plan for, for tomorrow, but having a game plan for like extended out, right. That, that the process, I think that's the one thing that I love about jujitsu is that it's like, it's not a three-year process and voila, we're, we're a black belt and we're going on. Like it's a 10-year at minimum process in order to get to, you know, the part where you're actually know enough to actually start learning well. Um, 
And so I just wondered how, how that affected you. Like if you got had a guy that, and it says a lot to one that comes back to you and, and now he's willing, it says a lot about jujitsu too, right? That, you know, he's done that. Now he's going to run off and did his thing, but he comes back and now he's, you know, learning from you from what once at once time was his, his, uh, his student. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat, you know, because we actually started at the same time. But since and he's an old adult, he develops a lot faster. So he was able to get to a higher level than I was. And also, you know, physically and mentally and stuff that you're not able to really, you know, uh, understand as a kid. So he was able to get to that level a lot quicker than I was. But then when he stopped, he was it was right about the time where I was like getting a little bit older. I was in my teens. I was about to, I was kind of growing a lot. So then now I really got like that peak in my uh, in my increase of you know, abilities, and whatever it may be, but I really started growing. And then that's when he came back, then I had already grown a lot. So it's pretty neat to see like how much things can change in a short amount of time, but, or may, may seem like a short amount of time, but really was years on end. So it's pretty neat to see how things can change and how jujitsu really keeps people together, even though there's been like yeah. years apart, you know? Yeah, it really is kind of a cool community. I mean, that, you know, that it builds and, and like a family type atmosphere, you know, outside of, you know, immediate family or whatever. Um, so I'm curious, like, when you came back um, from, your, from your trials where you, you know, you start your first time going to an ADCC trial, and then you come down to some smaller tournaments that, like, your first two trips to the, to the, to the, to the trials, when you went to your other other venues um after that did they feel much easier like did you did the tension get less like the expect like the worry or the the, the anxiety and stuff i mean did it did it settle down more or did it give you a, like more calming to be able to kind of get in there and not have as much jitters yeah i think that that's actually something that's uh really cool and it's important to develop as an like, as a coach for your students is i think that it is important to show them like kind of okay, this is the top of the top. Go ahead and test that out. See what that feels like. And then now when you go back to like your skill level or wherever it is that you're at, it's going to be much easier. It's kind of like, um, I know it's, I don't think it's, le- my sister used to compete in horses as well. And I don't think it's legal, but some horse trainers will put like weights on their ankle of the ankles of the horses and take them off right before they go out in the show and they step really high and it looks amazing. Um, I don't really know the logistics of it, but I'm going to use that example for something like, like this. If you compete in something really, really tough, then when you go back down, oh wow, it's just like a weight off of your back. And it's just so much easier to keep going and trudging forward. So um, speaking of, I actually came back and competed in the juvenile world championships right when I got back from my first ADCC trials and I double golded with all submissions. I submitted everyone and took two golds and, um, it was very different feeling because when I competed at the ADCC, it was something like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be here. I feel, like, uh, I don't, you know, I'm just a kid. Like these are grown adults. These are black belts. I'm just a blue belt. And then when I did well and won a few matches, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I, I, okay, I do deserve to be here. Maybe not like at the top of this food chain, but I'm at least in the, in the swimming pools, you know, with all these, these other sharks. So whenever I got back to competing with the juveniles, I was like, okay, well, you know, if I can hang with those guys, I can, I can hang with these guys. So I think it helped a lot. And I think that's important, especially for kids, you know, if, um, if your kid's up to it, obviously they have to be competitive enough to pull the trigger because it's important not to force whatever, if it's your kid or, or your student or anything to do anything. But if they're okay with competing with one weight class up or one age category up or even a belt category up, then whenever they go back and compete with whatever whatever it is their category, then they're going to feel much more confident and just better overall. Do you guys um, do you guys do like in house tournaments at your at we, your gym? 
We don't. We um we've never done an in-house tournament at our gym. Sometimes we'll do like uh a class that's structured kind of like that. Like we'll do yeah. it sometimes when tournaments are coming up, we'll be like, all right, we're gonna like have everyone on the wall and have a match in the middle, and there'll be yeah. someone, you know, keeping score and time and stuff. But we don't do like actual tournaments or anything. But uh, most of the time, our classes are pretty competitive. So uh, the classroom uh, intensity alone normally gets you ready. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I noticed. Um, one of the things that we do at ours is um, you're, before you can go, even, like no matter what belt you are, and it's usually the in-house are always like white belts and some of the kids and stuff. But before you can go out and do any tournament, you need to do an in-house one before because it almost like gets them ready for their first tournament because no matter what you have everybody watching now you know you can roll and we can roll in a corner or we can do whatever but um but when all of a sudden everybody else is standing on the wall and watching it changes the environment right and and it and it gets you like and i and i think you know a lot of times if you're in one that has like no mat space or anything like that you're not practicing enough for your takedowns or whatever and so all of a sudden it's boom you kind of it will expose where you're where you're where you're lacking before you go out to tournament it also gets that adrenaline going and, you know, your brain kind of shuts off and whatever else when your first time you go in. So I've always noticed that's kind of a that's kind of a cool thing for some of the kids and for the, the white belts that want to go and, and do it. But, man, I I always recommend the guys, no matter what, I mean, like if you're not trying to go, like I'm going to go and do something huge. Going to a small tournament is really like test your game out. Right. It, it really kind of and it makes you roll so much different whenever you come back home because you actually start having purpose because you're wanting to do something, something else. Um, I do that with my non-pros um, in the show pen too, right? Is I take them to, and, and youth and adults, where I'll take them and put them in, you know, they've been showing a local level or whatever. And then I go and take them and put them in a, a bigger pen with more, uh, you know, with more, with there's music or there's whatever it is. And it's a, it's an event, right? And when it's an event, all of a sudden, you know, everything's everybody's always you know wanting to invite grandma and grandpa to come and watch and whatever else and then whenever grandma and grandpa's all that's in there watching everything's online and it's a bigger deal and those things really build character in kids right and and but it also builds it in the adults like for your whole team right yeah i think that it's really important for character development to uh have to deal with success and failure and i think that if you compete enough you're going to see both um yeah. sometimes you know even if you suck you, you, if you compete a lot, you're going to win a match. You're going to fight someone eventually, have a match against someone that's going to you know, be a little worse than you are. So eventually you're going to have success and you're going to have to learn to deal with that because that's really important. Not flaunting, not being you know, boastful or anything like that that might uh, make you look bad as when you win. You know? uh, be a champion in winning and losing. You know, when you lose, not throwing a fit. Learning how to take your loss and not only take your loss and walk away with it, but take your loss, walk away and get better. You know, that's a huge thing that is a valuable life lesson. People get fired from a job. If you just quit fully and just, oh, I'm just going to move back into my parents and do nothing. Like, you're not going to succeed, you know. If, if you get fired from your job, but now you're, okay, got to fix some things. Why did I get fired? Got this, this. You, you know, you took a loss in life. Go make an adjustment and improve and, you know, put yourself back out there. That's what competing, I think, really helps teach young kids as well. Even if it has no correlation at all and they can't see it they start developing those characteristics without even realizing it. Yeah. I think that's the reason why sports are so important with kids. Right. And, you know, and adults too. I mean, because I think it really forms, 
it forms your your ability to work through hard places. I think that's the one of the biggest things about jujitsu, and I guess probably why I like it so much is that, um, you know, your first couple of years are just learning how to get in a position and breathe. You know, where you're mm-hmm. where you get comfortable, right? Um, but uh, but the difficult parts is where you really learn from. Like that, I would imagine looking back, like you wouldn't have even though you went and you had and you you know get at the end you get your guard passed and you got submitted in it like you wouldn't turn that down you like wouldn't sub, uh you wouldn't have gone around that i wish i hadn't experienced that because like those are the things that make you grow right mm-hmm. yeah of course like i would have loved to have won every match in my entire sure. life like that would be really really cool i'd probably be a lot further along than i am now but as like an individual and as my story, because it's not always about being successful, right? It, at least the way I look at it, it's not about being successful. It's also being a, being able to like share your success with other people and being able to help encourage people and be a positive impact along the way and build a testimony. You know, I think that being losing and continuing to work and work hard for something until you can get it is a pretty significant testimony that not a lot of people are able to go through. A lot of people go through life and not really accomplish anything. They quit a lot of things before they, you know, when things get hard, they quit. And being able to like be an example of someone that continue to push through and continue to grind until you succeed, I think helps inspire a lot of people. And, you know, you can help make a difference versus, you know, if you just win everything, of course, that's inspiring too. I want to be like that guy, but you know, you can't relate to them at all. And yeah. you can have a way to relate to someone if you've been through those those struggles. And I certainly have. I haven't had a great um, a great run. You know, I've I've won a lot of great things, but I've also lost pretty significantly as well. And I think that's a uh, it's important too. Oh yeah, I I think it. I think that if you just did nothing but win, um, it would it would kind of be you would take it all for granted, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's funny that you use the word testimony. Right. Because that's like having a uh, I heard I heard uh, somebody told me the other day. I can't remember where it was, um, but that they made the comment about having a testimony. Right. And and being, you know, that you can't have a testimony without the test. You know, that Mm -hmm. that makes, you know, without that test, without somebody testing, testing your guard, you know, if you're not putting it, you know, to work in an environment that is as close to real as we can, we can make it right in, in a tournament and smaller level or large level. If you can't testify to, you know, like I have this or I can do this or I'm, at, I'm I've reached this point, right. Without the test, you know, well, 100%, 100% agree. I think that like, that's why competition is important and not only for kids, but for adults as well. I think yeah. a lot of times once you get comfortable, you know, you got your dream job, you got your car, you got your your house, your family and everything, and you're no longer testing yourself, you're no longer reaching new limits. That's where you become stagnant and you stop growing. And that's where like a lot of people get depressed in older ages because they're not like continuing trying to seek something or like they're not testing themselves and growing. And that's also important for a young kid to be able to test themselves and and realize that okay sometimes you're going to get a good grade wins or win something and sometimes you're you're going to do bad and that's all based off of your effort your output you know some people are more gifted than others and have to try less to succeed but others have to really work for it regardless you have to work for something you can't just like not try and succeed especially in something like jiu-jitsu especially if you compete like uh, consistently because you're going to go up against people like I've had multiple matches with people where I've competed against someone and absolutely destroyed them. And then I compete with them again. And then now like it's extremely close. Sometimes they beat me. So I'm like, dang, man, I, I got to work hard in order to keep up. So it's important that you, you know, constantly are working for that test. You know, like you said. 
Yeah. And it's something that you don't quit, right? It's not something that's just for kids. I mean, there, there's, you know, if you don't realize you can push through adversity, if you can't figure out how that, you know, that, that you, that you can do that. Um, that's where most people fail and quit, you know, or make excuses and, and whatever else those things build character. Um, so I'm curious about your, um, the team that you have around you. So you've got, you've got a, um, from, and I'm making this assessment based on, um, your, your win at the, um, the ADCC trials and the West Coast trials. And, um, it, it looked like your crew that was there <laughs> was, was, was just as excited and celebrating just as much as you were. Um, so how much, how, how tight is your crew that you have that, you know, that you go and you, and, and you compete with? Well, um, we had like four or five, maybe even six people compete in just one division alone. So we're training the whole time together and we're trying to make each other better so we can all do the best possible. We only, we know one person's going to win and right. we have to fight each other if we all do well. Um, I had a match with Cody Steele at the last trials. It's, it, uh, not this past one, but the time before that. It, it's going to happen. If you guys are both doing well, you're going to meet each other. The trials, teammates face teammates. So you guys are both working for, you know, one person's going to win. So regardless of who wins, if someone does from the team, it's a win for the team, right? We've all worked together for one person to get that gold medal or one person to do well. And, or, you know, maybe all of them to do well, one person to get the gold, whatever that may look like, but one person to win. And when that happened, like it felt like a, a, a full, like a success for the team, right? Everyone that had helped me training for that. And I had helped training them for it. Like we, we want it together because without like my teammates and like my, my training partners, my coaches, my, my friends in the gym, like I, it wouldn't have been possible because if it's just me by myself, I'm not going to get better jujitsu. I have to have other people that are also pushing me that are making me push them. So we're constantly pushing each other to, to get better and to grow. And when we all, you know, when I, when I ended up winning the gold, like it was a celebration for all of us, you know, it's like a, um, it's a, it's like a, a, it kind of means something as in we're all doing it correctly. Right. We have a, a proper system, like we're pushing each other and it's been, everything kind of paid off. So it, it definitely was, like success for everyone, not just me. Yeah, it was, um, it was the, like, you see that sometimes um, uh, it's almost as much fun to watch the guys who are behind the fence than the woos, the guy who's rolling on the mats because mm -hmm. how fired up and how excited everybody gets and, and, and how, you know, how vested they are. Right. You know, that, that being, being a team is like, cause I know that we look at this as like an individual sport, but I think that's one of the things about, martial arts is really kind of cool too is that you know it does create a, a bit of a family environment but it also you know a, a camaraderie and a brotherhood you know where you know everybody you know even in the military and stuff like that that you see men um that they that they create a brotherhood no matter who they where they came from the different backgrounds and whatever else but during struggle right that creates a tighter bond um it, and there may be even some guys that I know that there's some guys on our team that without jujitsu, I don't know that we would have really hung out that much or anything like that. But through jujitsu, we still have such a common ground that we can find that common ground, no matter what far you have different views of different things or whatever else that we have this part, this struggle that we've worked to or worked through um, that um, that ends up turning out pretty kind of, kind of pretty cool. I think you see that in like um, and military men, like guys that were on the battlefield together, right? And they're still friends, you know, like 20 years later. And I, you know, I don't, we're not, 
may not hang out and do everything together, but they they had that bonding moment through struggle that um, that will be a tie for for a long time. And maybe even like for the guy that was your your instructor in a purple belt when you were a kid, that he you know he had that. It wasn't just you know he's an instructor, but then you go to a couple of tournaments and stuff, and he was vested in you. You create that bond that you know five six years later you come back and you know you have that you have something to build on. I totally agree. I think that's a huge part of it. But I think another huge part of it, I talk about this a lot to like people inside the gym is I think that jujitsu or like a gym alone, because not just jujitsu, jujitsu doesn't always have like the same like vibe or like uh, culture, you know, like your gym culture is going to be different than my gym culture. And my gym culture should be different than the gym culture down the gym. It's going to be a little bit different of an atmosphere. Although they might be similar, they're going to be a little bit different. And I think that like, um, a gym like what we have is very um, selective of like the type of people that stay in, you know, someone that's very egotistical or, you know, not humble. They're not going to really stay inside the gym. They're going to get weeded out by all the mat forcers or they're going to change. And, you know, they're going to have like a per- perspective slash attitude change and develop into a you know, better character. Now um, I think that that really goes into play with like, why everyone can get so close so quickly you might not believe the same politically as someone or have the same ideas as someone else but you guys kind of have the same um values slash characteristics that keep you inside that gym for for instance you guys are both like wanting to learn that's why you're you're in a gym trying to learn jiu-jitsu or else you would be you know at some gym down the road that is not competitive and you're the best in the room right there's a reason why people come to our gym is because it's very competitive and very, um, very tough, right? So the people that stay in the gym, they're people that want to learn. They want to get better. And then they're also mostly people that are competitive because, you know, we have a lot of competitors. And on top of that, it's a very, like, we have a very family atmosphere. A lot of people that, um, we have a lot of hobbyists that have been there for, you know, 10 plus years just because they, they're like family now. So when, when you get integrated in that, that environment, you kind of have the same characteristics as someone else, even if you don't believe the same way. And I think that's what kind of like holds the team together. Like, okay, this guy, he's, you come in and he's kind of, you know, not, not a very good person or whatever. He's probably not going to stay in the gym. You know, he's just not going to fit in. He's going to get ended up, we get weeded out, or he's going to get tempered into a better person. Yeah. You know, I, you see that a lot too. You know, you don't see that I guess you don't see the view of that, you know, when you're first starting out in the first couple of years, because you just see the, the rotation isn't like daily, right? But it's more of like a rotation of, you know, like six, seven months, or you, we always see the the blue belts that don't come back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but it does. And like you just, it, it there's a, a molding to it that creates a culture in it. Um, and 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 that, that's true. That's really kind of cool. It is really kind of, you see a lot of tightness between, a lot of the upper belts and that's the reason why they are also tight is because you know we all have kind of struggled and they we all know what it took to get to the point i guess i think i think it's like happens at like purple belt where you know you, you had to stick with it long enough to a certain part that you're committed right that mm-hmm. you that you're going to be here for a while i might take a break here and there or have something that comes up or you got it pulled off because your kids are doing something different or whatever else but there's there's a level of commitment and you know that no matter what like that you didn't get to that part nobody just kind of gave you that you know you're you're gonna you had to struggle to get to that point and and have some stick to itness about it Um, when you're invested too you're really invested you put in a lot of time and a lot of effort into something and it's kind of hard to just walk away from that at a certain point yeah 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 and there seems like to be a, a camaraderie between 
you know, somebody that's committed enough, you got, you got to be somewhat committed to stick with it for, you know, that many years to get to that point. Um, you're, you know, you're putting, putting in the time. Nah, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And so we see a lot of commonalities between, um, uh, characteristics about somebody, not necessarily, you know, views of the world, but we're going to see the same characteristics that try, push hard and you'll grind out and, and, and want to get better. Yeah. And so, we, we actually have this saying, we don't have it up right now on the wall. We normally do it. I thought we just move locations. So that's why we don't have it up. But we normally have a sign up on the wall that says like, no ego, no drama, no politics, just jujitsu. And <laughs> I think like there's just rules that we go by in the gym. Like you can't have an ego, you, you, you know, no drama. Don't be talking about this other person over here. Don't be bringing that into the gym, no politics and just, just jujitsu. Right. And I think that that common ground is what allows people to um, like, communicate when otherwise they might be enemies outside in the real world you know like you yeah. see it a lot like politically people have one idea another person has another idea and that can divide someone even though those people might be completely best friends if they just had the same like you know idea about one topic so we try to keep that out of the gym because you know you might be best friends with this guy over here you roll with him every single day and then all of a sudden he tells you who he's voting for or something and maybe you're very uh you know you're very concerned about that. And that might make you now almost like an enemy or thinking about that guy a little bit differently. Now there's a little bit of a wedge there. And then now you don't have that like environment that we try to create at the gym. So we try to keep all of that out. And I think that's what also um, allows, like, even though that you might believe differently than that person, there's something that brings you guys together in common. It's important to find that common ground and, you know, share that with each other. I think that's what helps jujitsu helps create. Yeah. I think that's really needed if you're going to have like fellowship right if you're going to have or create a team or create that then there has to be some uh, that we always go back to a common ground that we all believe in the same thing right and whenever we have something common that we all believe in and that we all put our time into and stuff like that we can create that kind of culture um mm -hmm. so you know and even if you were you know looking at it from a country type of deal we have to understand that we're all building the same country Right. And we all had the same desires to prosper in this country and to, you know, progress in this country. And there may be different ideas about how to do it, but we got to keep it on the same, you know, same deal as what we all had the same deal. It's like a, your own affiliation. We're all part of this team and this group. You know, we got to be no matter what, we got to look at, you know, the common good of ourselves or our group. You know, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I. I wondered who is your, who's been your, like your biggest, uh, who's your biggest influence? Who is your kind of, who do you, who do you look up as, as, uh, as like your hero? Hmm. So I have like a, a long list because there's a lot of people that I've looked up to over the years. And even today, um, like my dad's a huge one, obviously he's really helped me um, develop into like the person I am today. And, you know, giving me a lot of characteristics that I wouldn't have had, um, you know, if he wasn't an influence in my life. You know, he's a very hard worker. He's always told me to like, when you, when you start something, you know, don't quit it. My mom's been the same exact way. My mom homeschooled us. So um, I wasn't in public schooling. So my mom was a really big teacher figure in my life. And um, we had to like recite something every single day before we started schooling. It's like when a task is once begun, don't leave it until it's done. Like do it great or do it small, do it well or not at all. 
And that's something that I've really tried to carry over into all areas of my life. If I'm going to start something, I got to finish it. And I got to complete it and do it with like my best, not just, not just halfway, you know? So like my parents has been a big influence in like, you know, the way I believe, you know, the, like the, I, like the ideas that I have now and like the ways that I approach, you know, my life or even my training. And, um, you know, obviously like there's the jujitsu, um, guys that you can look up to and really, as far as jujitsu goes now, that's something that I think that is important that especially young people realize is jujitsu people or people that are good at jujitsu, they're not perfect. Like they're not people that you all, you just because they're good at jujitsu doesn't mean you have to look up to them as a person. So uh, that's something that maybe I, I made a mistake of also when I was younger was like looking up to a lot of like high level black belts that were world champions and wanting to be like them in a way. And then realizing now as I'm older, I'm like, wow, they're not really that great of a people, people. And I've like met them and shook hands with them and had conversations with them now and realized, man, I don't want to be anyone. And I'm not saying bad about these people. I'm not going to mention anyone, but you know, maybe I don't even want to be anything like this person, you know? And that, that can be not just because uh, they're a bad person or anything, but they just don't have like the, the, the same attitude or mindset that I have. And I think that's also important. You look up to someone for their goods and not just, not every aspect of them, right? You know, even like parents, some people have terrible parents that are like, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts or something, but they have something they can bring to the table. And it's important to look at, at someone and take the good from them and not take the bad. So I had like a ton of Jiu-Jitsu people I looked up to when I was younger. And now I, I still look up to, but not in, in the way of like every aspect of their life, you know, uh, definitely as far as their Jiu-Jitsu and um, maybe even like the way they treat marketing and other things. Now, um, someone like Gordon Ryan's a great example of someone that is extremely good at marketing, extremely good at jujitsu, but maybe is not the best example of someone that sh- that's um, uh, that characteristically like humble all the time, right? He is a very um, meek person when it comes to like, you guys are just talking. He's very, very down to earth nice guy, but like on social media, he does that to make money and stuff. Right. But that's not always the best example for everyone because then that makes like young kids think, okay, now I can like slap people or or post stuff on social media. That's a little bit inappropriate. Now, you know, maybe there's time and places for things like that, but looking up to someone in all areas is not always the best for when you're young and trying to figure out who you are. So that's some things that maybe I made a mistake of when I was younger and I've really tried to uh, look into now that I've gotten older is look at someone for what they're really, really good at. Now, I do look up to Gordon Ryan. I look up to him as an amazing jiu-jitsu person, someone that makes a really good businessman, someone that makes great money, and um, someone that really respects everyone as far as like uh, their their uh, skill, right? He is he never takes anyone lightly, no matter if he says like they're terrible jiu-jitsu or something on Instagram. Every time he competes against them, he's 100% ready. He's never stepping on the match if he's not ready. And I can really look up to that. Now, other areas, I maybe will take influence from someone else and, you know, adapt that portion to my life. But um, as far as that goes, like my parents have been a big uh, influence in my life. And then just like a big number of people in the jiu-jitsu community. Um, my instructor has been someone that's really helped me a lot, especially with character development. Um, I started training with him when I was a little bit under 16 years old, I was 15 something. So I was, um, pretty, pretty young, you know, and, uh, he has always taught me just to be really, really honest. And no matter what that might be, even negotiating with someone for a match or sponsorship or, or just anything, be really, really honest and just work really hard. And that kind of is the same ballpark as what my parents have taught me. So that really helped me kind of just go in the straight direction. So I look up to my instructor a lot. 
um, on and off the mats because he's an absolute beast on the mats as well. And Rodrigo uh, Pinero could uh, testify to that because I think that Rodrigo and both Rodrigo, Rodrigo, my instructor, and Rodrigo, your instructor, trained together back in the day. So uh, they, Rodrigo, my instructor, always says how good Rodrigo Pinero is. So I'm sure that they they trained a lot back in the day. Yeah, I think they quite spent quite a bit of time on the Hubero, uh, Hubero deal uh, together mm-hmm. growing up. I, he, I, know, I know that Rodrigo grew up a lot with Sanji Hubero. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Lovato and all those guys that, you know, they kind of came up through the same deal all from Brazil. Yeah. 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 So that's, uh, um, yeah, well, I, I don't know how all that kind of plays out, but it, it, yeah. So that was kind of a cool deal that they're kind of the same. I'd be curious to, to see, um, um, actually really curious to see how the fundamentals over there are with you guys. So I have to come over and maybe catch a roll over there one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you're more than welcome yeah, to anytime it, you want. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'd be curious to know. Um, well, I, th- I think it's pretty important to know that, um, you know, when we look up to people, we don't have to look up in all things. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that, that not, I mean, there's a lot to, to be said about uh, character. And, you know, like Gordon Ryan, I mean, he's a gosh, he's a phenom. I mean, for one and two, he's like he's, he's, he's crazy the way he um, he's very um he looks like he's very, very efficient with what he does and um, very disciplined, which he doesn't seem like, I guess, character wise, like it would be as, as did, but he's got to be disciplined like no other to do the way that he's doing things. And that's a really an admirable trait. Um, uh, and, and looking at traits versus characters and some different things. And I, that's, I think that's one thing that is very admirable about him is that his, his, uh, his his practice has got to be monotonous in, in the way that he does. He's got to be very, very good. And I think that's one of the things that he criticizes a lot others for is is not being so diligent in in their practice and and about their their game. Um so that's what I've I've noticed about him. But yeah, the the whole uh social media thing and that's a whole nother, you know, side note on the character because I don't know what I don't think that that's necessarily exactly how he is. It's just, you know, to get feathers ruffled and get more people, you know. For sure. And there's no way to actually determine that. So it's best, like for at least for my uh, point of view, it's best to just look past it and not really consider any of it and consider doing it or consider maybe that being part of his character. So I just like ignore it and move on, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't try to replicate it because it's not my style, but you know, that's, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him in any way. I think there, you know, probably there are some things that he could do a little bit differently that would um, be a little bit more respectable, but um, I mean, make him a little bit better of an example, but that doesn't mean that um, what he's doing is bad for the sport by any means. He's helped grow the sport like 10 times more than any other person ever has. And, oh, and, and half the time, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he has. He's 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 made a huge dent in the whole thing for everybody, really. Um, mm-hmm. And if if for nothing else, besides his game and what he's contributed that way, I mean, he deserves a ton of respect for what he's done and what he's taken, how he where he's taken the industry for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and every time I've met him, talked with him, I've even rolled with him before. Always shook my hand, been really nice and polite, very attentive and aware, not like you know all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Just like walk off. Very yeah. nice. Very uh, good person. And from what it seems, and uh, you know, he's been very respectful to me. So uh, I respect him as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you mentioned your, so you, you, you were homeschooled. Um, were you homeschooled for the purpose of uh, 
to get more time into jujitsu at that point and committed more to jujitsu or were you homeschooled for, for another reason? Well, I was homeschooled before I started jujitsu. So I started at eight, but I had been homeschooled my whole life. Um, reason being, we, I, I was born in California and I moved out of Texas when I was uh, three and a half. I turned four in Texas. So I was fair. I was really young, you know, but I started homeschooling when um, my, my mom and basically put my youngest sister or not my youngest, my oldest sister in uh, regular schooling. It was like a private schooling or whatnot. And what the teachers was like teaching and the kids and stuff, she just didn't like it at all and pulled her out pretty much right away. And started homeschooling uh, my sister and I. And then when I had my, I have two brothers. So my youngest brothers, uh, when they were born and stuff, she started schooling them when they got old enough. So we just kept the homeschooling regimen going. She just felt that it was, that she could provide just as good of, teaching that like the teachers were doing and kind of leave everything all the junk and garbage out and then us not have to have like all the negative impact from being around maybe not the ideal crowd you know yeah um, we, we we weren't i wouldn't say go as far as to say we were sheltered but we were just um definitely put in a place where we were a little bit more uh being able to be molded by our parents a little bit more versus like the outside world and what my parents would be considered like bad, right? We were able to now put more time into sports and let the coaches and stuff help teach us people that my parents trusted versus just like random teachers or whatever else it may be, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think that there's all, there's positives and negatives to homeschooling. I think like the negatives are like uh, the social interaction, you know, you're not around a lot of other people. So you might be a little bit awkward um, and such like that. But then that's where jujitsu comes in. I think if you put your kids in something like jujitsu, wrestling or something that's like a team environment, even football, but I, you know, I like contact sports, right? Uh, especially like grappling and fighting. So I think stuff like jujitsu, that's where that, that can help like counter that out. That can make it to where, you know, you're able to, you're required to communicate and talk with either parents, coaches, other students, and be respectful the whole time. And I think that's yeah. that's important as well. So yeah, I think that with that paired homeschooling, I think that it was a really, really good route. And I was able to train, you know, twice a day ever since I've been young, pretty much. So that's yeah. been always a benefit and helped me improve a lot quicker. Yeah, I um I have I have four kids and um and we homeschool um well, well three of the four we homeschool. Um and then I have one in a in a private school. And um, mm -hmm. but one of the one of the local um uh, private schools down the road has actually opened up all their sports programs to um, to all the homeschool kids now this mm. past couple of years. So it's actually been really kind of fun because um, so we have the homeschool environment and we can and man for anybody that doesn't understand homeschool environment um, it is not you're not homeschooling your kids because you're lazy you're homeschooling your kids because you're like uh, you it's a lot of work. So I know how much work your mom probably put into that it was like a full-time plus job. Yeah, um, she had to quit her job. She was she had like her own practice with like hairstyling and cutting and stuff. She completely quit her practice to homeschool us. So I'm, I'm really thankful that she invested that. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and it's it's a major investment for sure. But you know, it's 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 an uh, it's an eternal investment, right? I mean, like so it's a legacy type of investment. You're actually, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, investing into your your kids, you know, future and you know their children, you know, uh, too. So I we feel the same way about that. But the um, the, the one thing about it is I think if you are going to homeschool your kids, it's important. Like it's really important to, 
you know, there's, there's drawbacks to socializing your kids, you know, at some time that I don't you know, there's some things that I don't want to socially socialize my kids to. So I want to protect them and take care of them. But at the same time, you know, they got to go out and experience things. And, 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 you know, our job is not to keep them from, you know, experiencing the world. It's just, I want them to experience it while I'm still in their care and taking care of them and it can help them learn how to negotiate it. So it's kind of the right time. You know, I think that's a lot too. It's like getting exposed to things that, you know, it's fine getting exposed to, but just exposed to too early. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, cause you're going to get exposed to the world. You can't be silly enough to think that you're never going to get exposed to it, but you know, it's almost like on my time, my time, my terms. And then also while you're getting exposed to it, I want to be able to, um, I want to be able to, to, to help you learn how to navigate it. It'd be the same thing as having you as a black belt going and taking and, and, and coaching these kids through, you know, tournaments, right? I'm like, while you're making the mistakes, I don't want to just send you off and not be a part of your mistakes. I want to be able to go with you and then coach you through it. And if you have the mistakes, like I see the mistakes, we come back. And this is my job to be able to pour into you as, as a young student that, you know, how to, how to go about fixing that mistake. I, I don't want you to keep you from making mistakes. And I think that's part of the, the win and losing part, right? Is that, you know, without the losing, there is no there is no really growing in what you're doing. If you, if you're, you know, you're doing well, but you, all you do is keep going back and, you know, rolling with the white belts and you're, you're just beating all the white belts up. Well, then, you mean, you're not progressing and you're not learning, you know, that's why we have different rankings. And so that you can push up with the bigger guys and push back down and try some of your stuff out on the white belts and then go back up and try it on your brown belts and see how, how it works or if it's not being done well or fix it and go back. But it's the same thing with raising kids, right. Is would be that, you know, I don't want them to not experience and not go through trials and troubles, but I'd rather them do it while I'm with, with them and I can help them guide them through it. Um, 100%. No, I totally agree. Especially relating that to like coaching to 100%. And I think that's even where like putting them in something like jujitsu where there's like other coaches that are also invested, not only like your kids, like uh, jujitsu, but their character as well. I think yeah. that that's where they can get like multiple inputs. And I think that's really important too. I think a lot of times parents like overstep and try to steer the ship, you know, and um, sometimes it takes like a whole group of people to really help, you know, direct someone. And especially kids, like sometimes, oh, I don't want to listen to you, dad. Or I don't want to listen to you, mom. You know, sometimes it takes like the coach, someone they look up to and don't know as well, but someone they look up to because, oh, this person's really good at jiu-jitsu and this person like, uh, you know, gives me stripes on my belt, tells me, Hey, quit acting up, quit being bad in school. Like maybe they listen to that as well, you know? And then, Oh, my parents are saying the same thing. Maybe I should really act right and not be messing up, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That's some really, I mean, I think that in itself, I love the comp- competitive ledge. I love competition. I love growing and getting better at all the things that I want to do. And, and, um, you know, and even for me as an old guy, that's having a good time doing this, you know, I want to grow in it, but, um, but it's really important. I think for most parents that are getting started in, in something with martial arts that not only that it's the martial art that fits what you're, what you're wanting to, to obtain, but also understanding that the instructors like, man, you got to have an instructor that's on the same page as you. And that, you know, is investing into you. I mean, you really are investing into a lot of people, you know, as you're doing it, you know, and, and there's got to, you got to be on the same page. You can't let them get away with an act, you know, out of place and, and whatever. That's part of character building for the kids. 100%. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about yeah. it. I think, I think you is so important for, for children. And I think it's, um, and that's why it's equally important for adults too, because then you can kind of understand that. I think all too often, like, 
when parents don't train, they put their kids in and then they put all that pressure on their kids. Oh, you got to get skate now. Get out of there. Why are you getting on board? And then when they get on the bat, they're like, oh, wow. Okay. It's hard. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a big one. I think that's probably one of the coolest things that I really like. I love to see at, uh, at, 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 the, at Rodrigo's as, um, is seeing the dads coming in and, you know, they've got the kids, their kids are sitting off to the side while the dads have the class, but the dads are all sitting. And then we all kind of get to talk. And, and uh, the ones that really understand it are the dads who, you know, are in the classes and you don't have to be a beast in there, but man, being a part of it, that is the same as like with your dad, like that. He's not, I like that, that, that your dad was, you know, got you into it, but he didn't just get you into it. And that's what your deal is. And he just drives you in there, drops you off or, drives you there and sits back and watches you kind of deal and, and wants to tell you how to do it. Like he went in, he stepped into the struggle with you. I think that's one of the biggest things about being a parent is you can't, you can't be outside of your kids' lives, right? You gotta be, you have to step into those lives in order to, to grow, to mold them. You know, like you have to understand the struggles just as much as they do. Right. And when you see, like you see your dad going in there and, and stepping into the struggle of it too, that he can, re you guys have another place to relate, right? Not just that, you know, over the dinner table at the house, but you have another place that you're struggling together and learning, you know, and growing in it too. I think, I think it means a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if I will, right. I, my goal is to open up a gym one day, but, um, you know, I'm planning to do some online stuff, too. So maybe I don't, know, I don't know, like the world in general is training to that direction. So maybe I won't even open up a gym one day. But, um, you know, if I do, I always try to develop and get new ideas and stuff. And I think there would be something really cool, too. Instead of letting parents just sit there and watch like Matt's side, like um, if, if the parents are wanting to watch, they have to like do like a certain amount of classes in order to be able to sit in a section where they communicate or being close to the mat. You know, you might have one section where it's like kind of closed off and like kids can't hear as their parents yelling or whatever, but if they parents want to go and be able to sit mat side, then they got to be able to, um, you know, if they're going to interact with their kid in the middle of class, they got to be able to have some form of experience. You know, maybe that may look like just two weeks of jujitsu or something, but um, just so they can understand like, okay, this is, this is not what I should be doing. I shouldn't be coaching this kid right now. I shouldn't be like telling, you know, cause that's where I think that it's a, it's kind of hard for parents to, it's a, when they put their kid in the class to like let the instructor take the reins, right? Cause they don't really fully trust that the instructor knows more than them, right? They, they, oh, I, I watched the classes. I, I know move up, I'll yell, keep yelling at them. But you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot different when you actually yeah. get out there and you experience it yourself. And you know, you as yourself, you're a purple belt. So you understand. So, you know, you're not going to be, and maybe you you would be because you know you're experienced. But if you were a white belt, very new white belt, and you had done a little bit of jujitsu, the last thing you're going to be doing is yelling at your kid across the mat, telling him, "Hey, do this, hey, do that." When there's coaches on the mat, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you just don't know what you're talking about. Now yeah. you understand, so it's a lot yeah. different. Yeah, I think that's really important, and and I think that is like I think that is such a it has it has been from what I've seen right is is a lot more of uh, than I, than I see in a lot of other sports. Like you go to watch a baseball game, and there's maybe two dad two dads coaching, but the other dads are in the stands and and they they may have played baseball or maybe they didn't play at all, right? But mm -hmm. they're so far removed from it, they're not in the middle of it with their kids. And you see that in the football, or you see that, and and in jujitsu, we actually there's there's other old guys like me in there that are, you know, lurking it out and having a good time. And, and it's like also being an example for your kids. Right. Um, so I, I, I do, I do enjoy the fact that at, 
at our gym that it there's the the adult class is just as crowded as the kids classes and half the time it's all we all have kids you know grow at different stages or have watched our kids come and go and and do whatever there too because you know we're all it's it's it is you know it really is kind of a family environment on the whole deal so it's kind of a cool deal Very cool. and I, yeah. I like to know that your dad's in that into that too that's got to be kind of a fun deal and 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 that he can relate like he can actually watch you watch when you're competing and having it, you know, he's educated in what he's doing in it too, that, you know, he understands it from a, from, you know, from a high level himself. And, that's well, he also, and he also understands like when it's not really his place, you know, like he knows that like, even like my youngest brother, like is at a, a level to where like, okay, you know, I'm not really in the place where I should be coaching him. I know the difference between my level and like the other, the other coaches level to where like, you know, I can like cheer him on, but like, I'm not going to be the guy like yelling instructions, you know? Right. Like you see that a lot of tournaments, especially wrestling. Like um, if you've ever been to a wrestling tournament, there's huh. uh, uh, it's really, really bad for like, man, I'm holding him down, Jimmy, like <laughs> stuff like that, you know? And like yelling, shoot the double egg, like just the moms and dads yelling in the crowd because they think they know what they're talking about, you know? But yeah. so, you know, my dad's good enough. And also like, has trained long enough and knows how good we are to the point where he's like not going to be yelling at us and coaching us in the middle of the match. He's going to let Rodrigo do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, if, if I'm coaching, I'm probably two steps behind. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to be telling anybody what to do. That's kind of funny. Um, oh, that's cool. I enjoy that. Um, so when, um, so when, is, what is your next step? I know I, I've kind of been listening to some of the, you know, your other interviews and stuff and, um, and this is kind of the ADCC is your main main objective this year. Um, do you have any other deals you're going to go to between now and and uh, and ADCC? Um, right now, I'm just planning to hit one. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. Um, I just want to hit one match before just to make sure that I keep my rhythm, um, just keep moving and keep looking forward to something. Uh, but ADCC is the main goal. Um, I would even be fine if I didn't do anything before ADCC just because um, I know the process. I'm going to continue the process that I uh, generated and, and completed for the last trials. I'm just going to continue that, but, you know, times it by 25 or something, <laughs> to, you know, because it's going to be much harder, much more difficult. But uh, I, I know the process. I understand what I have to do to get there. So I might just do one match just to keep that rhythm and um, you just got to stay hungry and also build a little bit of anticipation because it is important to – not let people forget about you, right? Six months yeah. is a long time um, in in the jiu-jitsu competition scene because you have tournaments every weekend almost. So if you're not yeah. competing consistently, people do tend to forget. Um, a little statistics and example, um, like on my my DVD sales and like my my YouTube views and stuff, really really spiked on the uh, last trials all the way throughout Christmas and January. So November, December, January, really, really blowing up. Right. And then boom, crash flat all the way up until the next trials, literally nothing. Like, I mean, I was still like growing and generating stuff, but it was not anywhere near compared to that, that nice steep increase. And then I competed, boom, bounces right back up. People forget oh. they stop talking about you. You stop trending online and all this other stuff whenever you're not competing. So it is important to kind of like, not take too long of a break in between or at least that i found because then you're just not going to have as much anticipation you're not going to gain as much um gain as much publicity all, all of that other stuff that goes into it you know sponsorship 
uh, if you're going to get sponsored, you know, you need to have views, you need to have um, people constantly like Googling your name and all this other stuff that goes into it. You need to be like a trending figure. So in order to do that, you got to compete. So I can't take too much time off. So hopefully one match in between, but um, I wouldn't be too upset if I uh, didn't compete before because it's almost to the point where it outweighs like that whole like trending thing that I was talking about in the graphs because the ADCC is just so important that it doesn't really matter uh, that I have hype going in, but it definitely helps. Yeah, you could probably say some inflammatory things on on the social media to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really my style too much. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I always I, could. Yeah, <laughs> I like your style better. Let's keep it where it's at. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. So, um, so I can, one of my one of the things that I'm I'm curious about is uh, so what's your mental prep? I mean, do you do do you have anything that you're like? How do you go in to be like? really mentally in a, in a, in a great place? Or do you, do you, do you fall back on certain things or uh, to prepare yourself and to be in a, in a good place in your head mm -hmm. before matches? Um, totally. There's uh, one little recipe that I found that I uh, really, really like doing. It's something that I think is really important is creating a schedule. So whatever that may look like for you, that could look like creating the schedule for the week, creating it for the month or just creating it for the next day. Um, but creating your ideal day, like, let's say well, I want to create a schedule for tomorrow. I'm going to make tomorrow as most productive as possible. Now, if I have a full-time job, which, which I don't, but, you know, sit, like, uh, for an example of like a normal person, if they have a full-time job and they're wanting to also compete, what I would tell them to do, and I tell my students this, okay, make an ideal day for you, ideal training, ideal diet, ideal exercise, and, you know, get all your work in because that's important too, right? Now make that from dusk up till dusk dawn and sleep. Because sleep's really important too. Make that completely ideal where you get to bed at the ideal time, wake up at the ideal time, get everything done. You're not wasting any portion of your day. Now, if you can do that for a full camp, now I do a six-week camp for something like ADCC, something a little bit smaller. I'll do a four-week camp. Um, I don't like doing more than six weeks because I find that my body gets a little bit injured. I get a little bit worn down and fatigued, uh, a little bit. Anything after that, you know, towards the end of the six-week camp, I'm already starting to feel it. So I uh, I do about about six weeks. So I create that sick, that ideal six weeks, and I try to stick to that as much as possible. Now, even if you're able to only do 50% of the schedule that you created, the ideal schedule, that's still probably better than if you didn't have a schedule. That's probably like a significant amount more that you got done during the day than if you didn't plan all these things. So, you know, the next day now I aim for 51% or 52%, but if you can keep a really high percentage of maintaining that schedule all throughout six weeks, then now you created a really, really solid camp and you know, you're very prepared. Now, remember what I said was that like ideal schedule, right? So you trained ideally for six weeks. So you made yourself the best version and the best form of yourself that you know how to, and the coaches around you helped advise you to get there. So now, you know, you're the most prepared possible for that day and that tournament, you know, God willing, you didn't get injured and all that other stuff, but you are now the best version of yourself you could be for that particular day. So now everything else is out of your hands. It's you, you did everything you could have. It's in God's hands. Now, now it's time for you just to go out there and perform. So I think that that little mental prep that I'll do, that's not as much mental. It's a lot physical too. Right. But knowing that you put in all the work that you can and that there's nothing else that you could have done differently that's really, really good for the mental and makes you feel really, really confident, not as nervous. And I feel like I perform a lot better knowing that I did everything that I could versus, 
oh yeah, I kind of slacked on this camp. Oh yeah. And then now I know that I'm probably not going to do that. I'm going to be a lot more nervous and I know I'm not going to perform as well either. Cause I'm not physically fit. I'm not uh, mentally sharp, you know, just doing something like recording your roles and watching that in the morning when you wake up watching your roles. Okay. I need to work about this before training. And you go work that, that stuff like that little extra steps really help push you to the best version of yourself. And if you know you're the best version of yourself that you know how to create on that day, then you're going to do a lot better and you're going to be a lot stronger mentally than uh, everyone else. Cool. That's really cool. I like that you're, um, that you, you know where to find your, your confidence in, right? Um, so, uh, and, and a lot of guys, I found that a lot of guys really um, find a lot of confidence in their schedule and what they're doing, right? Um, I would imagine that, that, um, that, probably Ryan Gordon is probably like that too. Cause the way that he just kind of, I think he's just reading into what he's doing. I see that he's like really meticulous about the way that he's doing things, even to the point of, you know, like the, uh, the, the words with that he, what each thing that he calls each, you know, maneuver that he's doing, like he calls it to a certain, um, he's, he's stringent to the, the way that it's laid out. Right. And mm-hmm. he follows that all the way through. Um, so, um, do you have, um, what, what do you do? Like, so as I asked this, I'll, I'll explain to you my question because it's, um, I've seen it in like golfers where, um, it's difficult to find and stay on a real high, right. To be, you know, that, that, you know, staying in a really positive mindset and what you're doing and, and who you're competing against or what it is and, and not looking too far ahead. Um, but also paying attention to where you're at in, in, in the, in, you know, the tournament or, you know, your match or whatever it is. Um, so I noticed like golfers, um, which with what I do, um, there's a lot of gap in between my, my competitions, right? So my competition may be um, a couple of days as much as much as a couple of as few as a couple of days and sometimes months in between each competition. Right. Um, so there's a lot of reset time. For me so there's a lot of time, time working you know go back chill out get back into my head get out of whatever will happen in that match or kind of clear my head and start back over from from the beginning on it and i would I wonder like when you're going to something like adcc right where you you're, you know you're going to have that many matches in one day um and staying where you were in that like really good a high moment right do you find like something that you do between matches that like brings your breathing back down, but also calms your head about it. You don't stay up there at a, at a real high, you know, awareness. Um, is there something you do in between those matches that kind of brings you back down and settles you back in for your next one? Yeah. I think getting away from the crowd is really important. Getting out and away from all the energy. Um, if you've ever competed in jujitsu and I don't know, cause we didn't really talk yeah. about it too much, but Double if you time. competed in jujitsu in a place that's pretty packed, like crowd wise, it's exhausting being there all day, like just yeah. being around talking to people and especially for like, um, and I'm not necessarily at that level, but someone like Gordon, like that has to talk to him. Like if he's sitting in the crowd, he's getting people coming up, taking pictures of him the whole time, yeah. shaking his hand, asking questions. Like for me, like that's really, really taxing. Like when I'm in yeah. the audience and then people come up, Hey, William, how are you doing? I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I like to be pretty genuine. So I, I want to talk to them and, you know, want to be nice and, and, you know, if they have a question or something, answer it. But 
that's really draining. So I try to get away from the crowd. I walk straight from the mat straight to like behind the bleachers or something. And I'll just lay down and like corpse pose and just kind of get my breathing back. If I'm tired, if it was a quick match and I felt good, then I'll just kind of recenter. I like to sip on some carbohydrates to keep my uh, energy levels up and um, just, you know, talk with my coach or talk with my, my other competitors that are competing with me and um, just recenter. I think that it's important to, have something to kind of distract yourself, you know, don't sit there and just constantly talk for 30 minutes about your next match. It's going to be pretty draining doing that. Um, uh, emotionally, uh, your adrenaline is going to be up for that large amount of time thinking about it. So I try to get in a mental space where I'm not really thinking about my next match up until, you know, it's time to go, but I'm not getting too far out of the loop where I'm, you know, thinking about something like schooling or, uh, you know, relationships or, or, you know, car payments, stuff like that. Like you don't want to think about things that are completely outside the bubble. You want to think about like, okay, you know, just you know, have a conversation about, oh man, you see that match? That match is crazy. Something that's not too far off the topic, but something that's not directly related to what you're having to do because that's going to be pretty exhausting. Um, that's what I find that's really good. Whenever I was competing at the trials, I would like compete and I would walk straight back to the warm-up match and sit down and maybe talk with another competitor. And we just chat about like his matches and, um, maybe chat about my, some of my previous matches. That's really a good, good thing to do too. Cause it makes you excited about your, your performance talking about, you know, some of your matches, but it's not going to like make you nervous talking about a previous match. You know, right. it's always thinking future future is what kind of makes you a little bit nervous. So I try to just not really think about that until it's like go time. And even when it's go time, like, you know, I was sticking my headphones throw my hoodie on and I'm just, I'm not even really thinking about the match too much. You know, of course I'm going to strategize with my coach or, or my teammates, but I'm not going to sit there and just run that through my head over and over again. I'm just going to visualize, uh, visualize, get my hand raised and visualize. And I'll, I'll repeat like what I was saying, like, uh, you know, I'm the best version of myself, whatever. I'll repeat that to myself as I'm walking up and down, pacing the ground. Like, I know I'm better than him. I know I've put in more effort in this camp than he has. I'm more prepared than him. I'm the best version of myself that I have been in a long time. This is this is the best version of me. I'm No one's more prepared than me. And I'll just tell myself that. Kind of like hyping myself up. It's nothing that's not true. You know, I do believe that I'm the best form of myself on that day, like for trials. Like I knew that I was in the best. I was in the, that's the peak of my performance, right? There was the best I've ever performed, the best I've ever felt. Um, and I knew that that day. So I was telling myself that whole time you're the best you've ever been you know no one deserves this more than you just put in just go out there and claim what yours get out there and claim what yours and just visualize and be getting my hand raised. um and i think that that really helps with like uh like the nerves but being out in the audience being out talking with people that takes away from that and that also um is really really exhausting so i try to just get away from that as soon as possible yeah that's funny like um i think one of the time the times that i'm i kind of get like the most taxed and drained is like doing clinics. Like, so if I go out and I do a clinic and I'm, I'm interacting, I'm talking and I'm dealing with people all day long. Um, man, it's just like mentally, it just can like, it's so taxing. It's so, it's so draining. Right. And it is like, it, it sounds funny to somebody who does, hasn't been there and experienced it, but um, man, it really can wear on you. Like a really, really get you tired, physically tired too, just from the actual interaction too much you know, in that deal. Um, but some of the things that you're using are, are really some like um, really well-studied um, ways to be able to think and thinking positive, right? And, and um, visualizing 
uh, a lot of people do visualize, but, um, but you can visualize wrong. Um, you can actually hurt yourself in, in some of your visualization. If you're visualizing a, a bad thing, then you're using visualization to your detriment also. So when you're visualizing, visualizing things like raising your hand and, and, and seeing, you know, seeing uh, yourself doing well, it creates a positive, you know, kind of, kind of thing for what you're doing. Um, but also like thinking not, uh, I always tell my students when we're going to show, um, because when we're doing the horses, horses will feed off of my 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 feelings too right so it's almost double down if i'm not in the right mindset so um i i need to make sure that whenever i'm i'm coaching somebody you know on what they're doing when they come out of the the, the ring uh or the, the whatever it is they're doing that i'm talking to them in a positive way because i'm reaffirming the way that they're going to go back in the next time too right but i'm also uh when i talk to them about visualizing i want them to visualize um a, a, a match or whatever it is that they're doing, um, I want them to visualize uh, everything perfect, right? Like, a, you know, the, all, all the you know, positive because your brain doesn't hear the word don't. So if I'm saying, you know, don't pull guard, you know, all I hear, all my brain hears is pull guard, right? So I'm not telling myself what to do or, you know, and I'm just, that's just an example, example like don't let them pass, you know, or whatever it is that you're just telling your brain because it doesn't hear don't, it just hears what you, so you're not telling it what to do and how to think properly. And the way to do that is to tell yourself what you do want to accomplish, what you do want to do, right? Not what you don't. And so visualizing and, and, and self-talk, right? Can be done properly and improperly. Just because you're doing it doesn't mean you're doing it properly. It's important to understand it both. Yeah. And I would even go as far as saying is like visualizing something, not the, goal or objective is detrimental as well because if i visualize okay i'm getting that double leg i'm getting that double leg i'm getting that double leg or oh, i'm gonna arm bar an arm bar that you're limiting yourself and yeah. you're not keeping your your you're you're putting all your eggs in one basket and you're not keeping you're not casting a wide net right so instead like i know i'm good at more than just double legs and arm bars like i'm not just going to tell myself you're going out there and you're just going to look for the double leg or arm bar all the time i'm going to visualize winning i'm not going to visualize how i'm winning visualizing winning winning by submitting the guy the most dominant way possible i'm going out there and i'm submitting this dude i'm getting my hand raised now then i'm not limiting myself to one one thing or another i've submitted people in competition with things that i've never submitted someone with before sometimes <laughs> and that's not because like um like it's it's something that i'm not good at like i've drilled it before but i've just never gone for it in the gym it's not because and that's because i didn't limit myself to something or like just one part of my game like of course I'm keeping everything within where I'm good at. I'm not going to play donkey guard if I never play donkey guard, right? I'm going to be very serious. I'm going to stick to my guns, but I'm not going to limit um, like my capability by just visualizing one thing or another. You know, I'm going um, to visualize the outcome, not the the, the route, the the outcome. You know, ah, that's um, really good. That's really good because if you do, if you if you you're thinking double leg the whole time, then if you don't get the double leg, then you get you've almost limited what else you can do. That's, no, that's or he important. doesn't get, you know, doesn't give the opportunity for you to double leg. Now you sit the entire match looking for that double leg and you wasted all this time when you could have just snapped him down because he was too low instead of trying to get under a double leg, you know? Ah, that's really good. That's really good. That's really insightful. Cool. Cool. Well, nice. yeah. I've enjoyed that, man. I've enjoyed it. I, this is the kind of stuff I love talking about. I love seeing somebody going out and going at, you know, blazing their trail and, and getting further with it, but also, you know, really mindful of what you're doing. I, I like that. 
So I've enjoyed this, man. This is really yeah, pretty thank cool. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, good luck. Good luck on the ADCC and um, and uh, and your run up to that and uh, and the rest of your camp. I know you got uh, several you. guys in that are that are pretty good killers on on mm -hmm. uh, in other areas. So that's really cool. Cool. Thanks a lot. I appreciate thank you. that. I appreciate it, William. It was joy and it, it was fun to watch. It's fun watching you. Thank so, you. I appreciate you watching. I, I really feel the support. You know, it's something that not a lot of people uh, realize, but like when I know people are watching me at the house or like after a competition, I saw all these people that watch me and I know that it's going to happen the next time. Like it's really like I can feel it. I, I can feel the support. Um, it, it really helps me like push a little bit harder. So I appreciate you guys and, you know, everyone that really tunes in to watch me compete and, you know, wants to see me do well. I, I, I really appreciate it. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks. And tell your dad he's doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I'll let him know. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. William. I appreciate that. That was, that was cool. I enjoyed that a lot. I'll, uh, I'll pull that off and edit it. And I, I haven't done a bunch of, uh, of, uh, YouTube stuff. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I, I train horses all day long and then chase kids all afternoon and then yeah. try to squeeze in jujitsu as much as I can. Um, but, uh, but I started doing this like um, just last year and, and I've had some really fun, really cool guys. Like one of the guys was really inspirational guy. He was, he's, uh, he was in Super Bowl number five. Right. Oh, and yeah. Won a Super Bowl ring. I mean, won the Super Bowl in Super Bowl number five. Right. And he's like 74 years old. Wow. And, um, and uh, the last 10, he had a, he had a big business. He's done all these uh, built, uh, built homes, did all these huge successful careers and stuff. In the last 10 years, he drove an elementary school bus to talk to kids. Really an inspirational guy, like really, really cool. And so I've had some really kind of neat deals on it. And I've, but I just put it up. I haven't spent, I have not spent, and I'm terrible about social media. I don't know how to do this thing and send it out there and, and getting all the hype about it. But I have literally spent $20 is all I've spent on on trying to even promote it. Like I just tried it one time and I'm getting ready to do a Spotify uh, campaign right now, ad campaign and stuff. But um, I've had over 9,000 9, downloads on this thing without even trying. That's awesome. Yeah, and, good for you. Yeah. So I'm just having a really good time with it. But this is the kind of stuff most most the big thing for me is this is my chance uh, for my kids to be able to hear these cool conversations when they get to, you know, like your age and figuring out how to, how to, you know, conquer the next, you know, mountain or whatever else. I don't know if I'll be here. Who knows? I don't know what God's plan for me, but, um, exactly. but if I'm, I, I got stuff, you know, it'll be on there and my kids can listen to it anytime. So, yeah, that's good, man. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I appreciate what you're doing. People like you that really want to help share and give back. So appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good luck, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, great talking to you. Appreciate it, man. You bet. Later.